Welcome to the Grant Writing Simplified Podcast. This is the place to learn how to make a big impact in your community through grant writing and nonprofit consulting. The world needs you to step forward as a grant writer and use your skills to lead with confidence. I'm Teresa Huff, former special ed teacher turned grant writer and nonprofit strategist. In my 20 years of freelancing, I've helped nonprofits triple their funding and exponentially increase their reach. Now I'm stepping up to mentor freelancers and nonprofit leaders like you who are ready to take your skills to the next level. It's time to get intentional about your vision so you can create lasting change in your community. Learn the skills and strategies you need to become the grant writer the world needs. Let's do this. Hey friends, welcome to Grant Writing Simplified episode 41. Today I'm excited to wrap up our series on comparing business and nonprofit and thinking through those different elements. If you've been with me the last few episodes, we've kind of compared those in different ways and from different perspectives. Last week in episode 40, gave you some questions to consider before you start your own grant writing or consulting business. I wanted you to think through the consulting side of things. Should you make the move? Are you ready? And that kind of gives you a taste of some of what we talked through in Fast Track to Grant Writer, which is opening up in June again. I am really excited to have that up and running because that has just been incredible and helps people really focus and figure out their direction and exactly what they need to work on next so they can start gaining momentum and really making some progress to make an impact in these nonprofits like they want to. You can learn more to sign up at teresahuff.com slash VIP. Now today, I told you we're wrapping up the series, and I have a very special guest. This is a dear friend of mine, and she is just the most kind-hearted, sincere, real deal person. Carrie Bartkiss of Love Does That. She has a ministry-based business. She had kind of debated back when she started this of should we start a business or a nonprofit? And she and her husband talked through that and they landed on starting a small business. So she's going to talk through their reasoning for that, the pros and cons, and how they came to that decision. But it's really cool because through this ministry-based business, they are still making a big impact and they are also using this business to help local nonprofits and to encourage other people to help nonprofits in their communities through some of the creative things they're doing with their business. Not only that, the business itself is just so incredibly encouraging and unique. Her goal for this is to help encourage others and to teach people how to encourage others when they're going through something that's a struggle. And I really want you to hear her heart and hear the reason behind her products and services. We've been in a mastermind group together, and I've gotten to know her over the last few months, and she is just an amazing person. The reason she started Love Does That is that she saw so many people going through hardship and hurt alone. So Carrie was determined to show up and be present for those people around her who are hurting. But the thing is, she doesn't just show up in some cookie-cutter way. She really considers what does this person need for this situation? What are they ready for? What kind of support do they need right now? And she really tries to be sensitive to that and aware 
and customize that support. And so that is kind of what her ministry is about, is helping others in those situations when you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, you don't know how to help a friend. That's where Carrie has some really creative, deeply thoughtful ideas and things to help you think through. And the really cool part is since we recorded this podcast a few months ago, she has started her own podcast and it's so good, so quietly thoughtful, just one of those refreshing moments in your day that you want to listen to and you feel better after you walk away from it. It's called Let's Encourage One Another. Carrie has her gift shop at Love Does That, and then she also has the podcast, Let's Encourage One Another, on her website, lovedoesthat.org. And because she is such a good writer and deeply thoughtful, she is also an excellent editor and proofreader. So you can find all of this on her website and in the show notes. I'll link to everything there, but she just really focuses on encouraging others She has creative Bible studies and workshops and art sessions for women and kids and churches so they can be prepared to serve others around them as well. All right, so if you are in that point where you're wondering, should I start a business or a nonprofit? Or what do I even think through? How do I even know the pros and cons of either one? Carrie has a lot of great thoughtful tips about that. And we talk through some of those challenges and how she's been able to make a difference. So here we go, and I hope you enjoy. Carrie, welcome to the show, my friend. It's good to have you. Tell us a random fact about yourself. I am an identical twin. Ooh, that's fun. She is seven minutes older than I am. So I am the baby of the family officially, and her name is Christy. Okay, so Christy (laughs) Christy and and Carrie. Carrie, Both with K's. Awesome. That is fun. So are you both right or left-handed? Both right-handed. A lot of similarities in our personalities and interests, but still she's more drawn to like the computer aspect of things and business and things like that. And I'm more of the artistic side, but we still have a lot of similarities. Like I do computers and stuff. Okay. And she does art and stuff. Okay. But that's kind of where interests went different directions. Kind of branch off. That's interesting. Yeah. How fun. So did your mom dress you up alike growing up? When we were little. Yes. And as babies, they would paint one of our toenails. So one of us would have painted toenails and the other one wouldn't. And that's how they would tell us apart. Oh, how fun. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. We could talk about that all day. (laughs) We should just have a twin episode. There we go. (laughs) So tell us about your journey. You have such a cool business. First, explain to us what you do with your business. And then we'll get into how that came about. Okay, so I am the owner and founder of Love Does That, and we seek to equip women to care for their loved ones who are going through seasons of grief. And the primary way we do that is through products that we sell, such as tear bottles or handmade cards and things that they can just tangibly get to their friends who are really hurting as a way to show them that they care and they're there for them. Um, But we also offer training and articles on the website to help people figure out we all have these questions of, well, what do I say to someone who's hurting and and what can I do for them that would really make a difference? And I feel like I'm intruding and how, like, I don't want to ask them because how would they respond? And so a lot of the training and articles, they are designed to help answer some of those questions so that we can figure out how to care for our friends well. 
One thing I've really noticed that differentiates you is there are lots of, say, sympathy cards when a loved one passes away, but yours is more like a whole different kind of almost unidentified grief that goes unrecognized. So kind of tell us a little more about that and maybe some examples. The big premise behind what we do is that we don't want anyone to feel like they have to walk through hurt alone. Like that whole idea, it just strips me apart. I can't, I can't stand the thought of someone having to go through something by themselves. Now, maybe they choose to do so in some way, but to not have the option of relying on someone else is really, that's not okay. And so one of the things that I want our products to do, whether that's a gift or a card, is to kind of break through some of those beliefs and just sit with the person in their pain and acknowledge that it is hard. And it's okay to not be okay right now. And we're here for you. And Mm -hmm. so the cards that I make are really designed to make that person feel seen and special. And so it's not like just any card that you can find off the shelf at Walmart or Target or whatever. It's right now, the ones I make are handmade. They're one of a kind. So there's nothing else like it. They're often dimensional. And so there are flowers on it or something else that kind of makes it stand out. And most of the phrases that I put on there are just very simple things like just hang on or just something like that to let them know, you know, it's not some cliche, but we truly were here for you and we want them to know that they are not alone in whatever they're walking through. Mm-hmm. It's more of a thoughtful piece of art, not just a card from a box. Right. Yeah. And, and the hope is that they'll treasure that, not just mostly for the note that you write inside of it. Like they're going to know that a friend cares about them, but also that they'll prop that card up and use it as a way to remind them that not only is their friend there for them, but hopefully God, like they realize that God's there too. And so, yeah, a lot of the cards can actually just double as like little art they can put on their table and just be reminded of the fact that they aren't alone. Right. That they have that support. So tell us how this came about and how you came to start this business. And I know we had talked a little bit about in the beginning, you had thought about a nonprofit or a business. So give us a little bit of the background. Sure. So my work experience actually has two different directions in my past. And so I was a college instructor for public speaking classes. And then I also did a lot in church ministry. And so for 12 years, I worked at three different churches First, I was a communication team administrator for a larger church. And so I did a lot of project management and writing and editing. And then when I was pregnant with my daughter, I wanted to move back home and work part-time and not full-time. And so I took on a job as an office manager at a smaller church that was closer to where my my family lived because I also wanted my, my family to be there to help support us in that. And then a few years into that, I also took on the role of a children's ministry director. And so my background's more in church ministry teaching, writing, things like that. And I I started Love Does That just kind of as a little side thing to sell a devotional. I had compiled some of the devotions I had written as the communication team administrator and, and put them in this little booklet. And my husband just encouraged me to put that out there and make it available to others and said, okay, so I'll, I'll start an Etsy shop and I'll make that available through that because that was the easiest way for me to figure out how to get that out there for other people. And then throughout that first year of having the shop, I started to rediscover my love for art. I had been involved with a lot of art when I was younger and kind of broken away from it a little bit to focus on the writing and the communication part. 
but I just really come back to that. And I loved making cards for people and little, just little pieces of art. And I noticed a theme uh, was just acknowledging pain and trying to encourage others. And so just over the years, that's kind of what love does that has turned into. And it was while I was serving as the children's ministry director that I felt like God was calling me to go all in with love does that right at the beginning of COVID when it started. Mm -hmm. And so I really struggled with that for a bit because I felt like I was abandoning the kids. I hadn't seen them. I would have no chance to say goodbye. It really felt like that's what God was calling me to do. And so I did. And ever since then, I've kind of been focused on refining what love does that is all about and what we offer and strengthening, you know, like building up the website with the training articles and different pieces of content. And it was that business for us because again, that was the easiest way for us to get started. And so we named it and we signed up for our sales tax thing, permission thing from the state back when I started selling the devotional. And so that's just the way we've kind of kept it. And my husband and I did talk about whether or not to turn it into a nonprofit, because right now we're in a place where we don't have to make that money. Like I don't have to be making money from Love Does That. And our purpose is to help others. It's a very ministry-minded business. And that's kind of what I refer to myself as. Um, but then I just started asking questions of, well, isn't that a lot of paperwork to start a nonprofit? And don't you have to have a board? And then you have to have all these meetings. And like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> and and so honestly, it was just a very, well, what's the easiest way for me to get started so that I can make these things available for people and I can still train people and I can still take some of what I earn and give it to others. And so just because I'm not a nonprofit doesn't mean I can't help other people. It just means I'm doing it in a different way. And at mm -hmm. some point it might be a business that is providing more for our family. And I think that's okay. You know, pastors work for a living and counselors work for a living. Um, and I don't see why people can't make products to sell for a living, even though they are to help other people. But for now, that's kind of where we're at, where this is the easiest way for us to get started and still make an impact. Mm -hmm. And you also did a really cool thing around Christmas time to support a local nonprofit and kind of partnered with one that's already well established in the community, which I thought that was a really interesting and good way to approach that as well of giving back. Right. Yeah. So we did, instead of a Black Friday sale, we did a Black Friday fundraiser. And so instead of discounting our products for like 15% off, like a lot of the other stores were doing, we took that 15% instead and donated it to a local food pantry. And we were really able to use that. Like, of course, not everyone lives in our area, but we were able to use that as a way to highlight some of the struggles that food pantries have been facing this year with COVID, like not being able to get supplies in because grocery stores can't get the supplies in. And so where do they find their food? And just really being able to help them just make people aware of the struggles they're facing. And we were able to support them, but also have our customers look at their own food pantries and say, I donated money to them as well. Yeah. And I think the way you did that where you did that site visit and you did the video of behind the scenes, what it's like here and kind of the struggles they're facing right now that helped people get an inside look to understand what's happening. And it also gave the food pantry another voice to share their needs and kind of helped promote that too. Yeah. That was a really neat opportunity for us. And, and kind of unusual for me because I feel like I have, I have a unique perspective because my husband's a grocery store manager. And so he's been dealing with COVID from one direction 
And then to go to the food pantry and hear their struggles with it, like it was just a neat way to see what was going on and then share that with other people. Yeah. And to have both perspectives of that, because, you know, from the consumer side, for most of us, we just know what it's like trying to find the groceries and prices fluctuate and all that. But to actually see it from both of those perspectives, that's a whole different aspect that most of the time we take for granted. Right. Yeah. We don't realize the part that, you know, the stores can, they're only allowed to get so much. And then once that's gone, it's gone. We just, we want our stuff and we want it now. And if it's not right, now, we get yeah. upset, but. Where's the toilet paper? Yes, where is it? <laughs> um, but realizing that we're not the only ones going through that, the food pantries are too. Like that was, that was a really neat perspective. Exactly. And so what are some challenges and some wins that you've faced along the way with getting this off the ground? It's such a cool, unique type of business to be able to serve in a ministry way. But yet that also presents challenges. So tell us both sides of that experience. So I think the biggest wins for me would just be that personal impact that we've been able to have, because that's really what it's all about. So when someone orders from us, they get a handwritten note from me as I'm packaging it up. And they also get, I record myself saying a prayer for the product. And I send that to the people as well. Because I truly do want these people to know that they are not alone in whatever situation that they're facing. And either the notes that I've received back from that or the reviews that they've left for us shows that that's the difference that it's making and that it is impactful for the people. And so we're not just another shop that you can buy things from. It's you have our support and our prayers too. It's not just buying something. And so I think if I would have put anything off, from starting the business and like just to think of all the other people that we w- wouldn't have reached during that time. Just that personal impact was really important for me. I think that's a big differentiator and it's getting harder and harder to come by in business these days in general, because everything's online. You just click a button. It's just somebody at the other end, filling a box and shipping it out and you just get it in your mailbox. Like that personal touch is really kind of dissipating So I think yours really stands out in that way as an important factor that makes you unique and it makes it a really special thing for the person receiving it. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the whole point. I don't want to just send out an order without anything included with it. Like here's your packing slip and there's the product that you ordered, but no, we take the time when we wrap it and we send the note and we pray over it. And that's just really important to me. I really am praying for them and I want them to hear it and I want them to kind of join me in that prayer. So I think that would be one of the biggest wins. As a business owner, it's been really cool to meet other business owners and develop those friendships and be able to ask questions and not feel so goofy for asking silly questions all the time because you don't know what I'm doing. Like my background's in ministry. I don't know anything about business. And if it were up to me, maybe sometime I wouldn't give it all away, but I can't. And so trying to figure out how to run that sustainable business and having people you can ask for that has been really important too. And then also the flexibility, I think, um, because it is my own little business. You know what? No one's telling me what to do and what not to do. And when I need to work and when I don't need to work. And so just being able to set my own hours and determine how I'm going to spend that time and making products or connecting with other people online or sending notes or whatever that happens to look like. I really appreciate the flexibility that I have as a small business owner. Like I don't have to ask other people if it's okay for me to do things or to take a day off or or whatever. Yeah, that's one of the big things that I like about working from home too, is just the flexibility and being able to make my own schedule, take on projects or not, depending on my family's situation and our season at the time. 
And so that's been a huge benefit for me as well as I've built my business. I think a lot of parents, especially moms that have young kids at home, want to find a way to do that. And it's always sort of a a balancing act. There's no perfect balance. It's really just kind of adjusting as the seasons change. Right. So right now I have a daughter that's nine. So she's in school and then I have a son that's three. And I remember before we had my son, I wasn't planning on having another kid. And my daughter was getting ready to start kindergarten. I was so excited (laughs) that she would be in school all day long. And I would have like that time to do whatever work I needed to do. And I remember it was kind of a shock when I found out I was pregnant again. I'm like, well, and just the changes that that includes for you. And so at that time, I was doing two different jobs at the church and I stepped down from one. So I would be home with him more. Um, But now I'm kind of back in that season where he's three. He's going to be going to preschool next year. And so what does that look like next year? Whereas now I'm just working two days a week next year that could look a little different if he's in school in the mornings or whatever that looks like. And so, yeah, I just, I appreciate the the flexibility I have to decide and change as my season in life changes. And, you know, as school gets canceled like it did last week, but I'm able to stay home and I may not be able to get done quite as much as I'd wanted to get done, but I can still be home with the kids. and, And that's really important too. Yeah. You can just kind of juggle and adjust your work schedule and, some projects can be bumped out a little and some can't, but at least the kids are home. And I always figured, you know, at least they're seeing me work and doing some things. And I explained to them what I'm doing, even from when they were young, I would always just kind of at least tell them a little bit about what I'm doing instead of brushing them off. And then now that they're older, they'll ask about it sometimes and kind of ask how a project went or I'll ask for their input and brainstorm on something now. And then if I'm stuck on a word or can't think of how to explain something, they're old enough. They're actually really savvy at this kind of stuff and a lot of help. So that's been a really fun part of developing it and working from home for me. I love that. It's really neat. So as we are closing up, anything else you want to add or any advice that you would give to someone thinking about, should I start a nonprofit or should I start a business? What would you tell them based on your experience? I think it's important to know your purpose behind what you're doing. If it is a way for you to make a living for your family, you can do that through both a business and a nonprofit. From what I understand, if you want to help other people, you can do that through a business and a nonprofit. And so for me, it really came down to what was the simplest way for me to get started. And the business went out because all I had to do was sign up for the sales tax to be able to accept that as a merchant. And then fill out a form to say, this is my business name. And I think that was it. Like I was up and running as business and I was still figuring stuff out, but that's all it took. And the nonprofit does take a lot more paperwork and things like that. Yet, if you need other people on your team, if you want that board of people there to help you make decisions, if you want some of the benefits that come from being a nonprofit, then that's okay too. And so I would really just encourage people to kind of figure out what it is they'll be doing, if it is selling stuff or if it's offering a service or if it's raising money. You know what? I have people who still donate to me as a business, even though it doesn't count as a tax deductible gift because they believe in what I'm doing. And Mm -hmm. so I don't want that to scare people away either. If people believe in what you're doing, they are going to support you. And nonprofits do have access to a lot of grants that businesses might not be able to apply for. And so finding ways to get funded just looks a little different. It might just come down to preference or what you feel like God's leading you to do. I mean, the timeline involves how soon you need it up and running. Those would be some of the things that I would consider 
as you're getting started. Definitely good points to think about. And I'm sure things that all went through your mind. And it's what I advise my clients, whatever stage they're at, is to always go back to your why. And that's kind of what you alluded to is go back to why you're doing this and figure that out first, figure out your big picture. And then you can figure out those steps that you need to take to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, is there a particular resource that has been meaningful to you along the way that you'd like to share? I would say the biggest resources that have been meaningful for me, I'm going to go back to those people that I built relationships with. Like I love to read and I love to listen to podcasts, but just being able to have a small group of friends that you can talk to and ask questions with, that's probably made the biggest difference for me as a business owner, as someone who's starting out on a new venture. Like I could join a group program where I could join group coaching calls or something like that. And that's awesome. But just having a small group of friends that you can ask questions from and get feedback from and have them point you toward different resources that they've used along the way has been amazing. Yeah. I'd have to say that's been huge for me too. And I just did an episode this morning on mentors and the value of that, that it also does help to have those people going through the journey kind of at the same place and being able to share the struggles and the ideas and those resources. Like you said, that's a big help. Yeah. And and on those days when you're having a hard time, you you can always send them a message to you and say, I'm really struggling today and I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And they understand and they're there with you. And um, if you lose sight of your way, you know what, they're there to point you back toward why you're doing it. And you need people like that. You really do. Yes, for sure. And sometimes it's a cheering on and sometimes it's a, hey, get back in line. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's a good mix of both and fortunate to have that. So where can we find you online? Because I hope people will go and check out some of your stuff. It's beautiful. It's such amazing resources. So where should we direct them? Well, the best place to find us is at lovedoesthat.org. It is org, even though we're a business, because that's what was available. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> so it is lovedoesthat.org. And if we ever become a nonprofit, then we've already got it, right? You're all set. Right. <laughs> I will put that in the show notes and make sure you go over and check that out. Thank you so much for this. And this was great advice. And it really fits well with some of the episodes that we've been talking about lately with the mentoring and with business versus nonprofit and how you can serve best in your role in either one. So thank you for all this great advice. Yes. Thank you for having me. If you're ready for the fast track to grant writing, go to teresahuff.com slash VIP to see all that we'll be learning. We'll do a deep dive into grant writing and setting up your career for success. These eight weeks can change your life and the world. If you love this show and you learn something new about being the type of grant writer the world needs so you can create a ripple in your community, please go leave me a review over on Apple Podcasts today. Thanks for listening. Now go change your world.